Part One, Chapter Ten of En Route by Jory Karl Heismans, translated by Charles Keegan Paul. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. I shall make myself a prisoner in two days," sighed Durtal. "It is time to think about packing. What books shall I take to help me live down there?" He searched his library and turned over the mystical books which had, by degrees, replaced profane works on the shelves. "I will not talk of Saint Teresa," he thought neither she nor st john of the cross would be indulgent enough to me in solitude i have need of more pardon and consolation saint denis the areopagite or the apocryphal book known under that name he is the first of the mystics and perhaps has gone the furthest in his theological definitions he lives in the rarefied air of the mountain tops above the gulfs on the threshold of the other world which he sees in part by flashes of grace and he remains lucid undazzled in the blaze of light around him it seems that in his celestial hierarchies in which he brings out in procession the armies of heaven and shows the meaning of angelic attributes and symbols he has already passed the limits assigned to man and yet in his divine names he ventures even a step further and then he raises himself into the super-essence of metaphysics at once calm and stern he overheats the human word to give it greater force but when after all his efforts he endeavours to define the indescribable to distinguish those never-to-be-confounded persons of the trinity who in their plurality never lose their unity words fail on his lips and his tongue is paralysed under his pen then tranquilly and without any astonishment he makes himself again a child comes down from those heights among us and in order to try and explain to us what he understands he has recourse to comparisons with domestic life and that he may explain the trinity in unity he notices how if many torches be lighted in one hall lights though distinct mingle in one and are in fact no more than one saint denis thought durtal is one of the boldest explorers of the eternal regions but he would be dry reading at la trappe reisbroek he thought perhaps and yet i hardly am sure i might put him in my bag as well as for a cordial the little collection distilled by hello as for the spiritual marriages so well translated by Metterlink, they are disconnected and obscure they stifle me this reisberg oppresses me less this hermit is singular all the same for he does not enter into us but rather goes round about us he endeavours like saint denis to arrive at god rather in heaven than in the soul but in wishing to take such a flight he strains his wings and stammers incomprehensibly when he comes down we will leave him behind then now let us see st catherine of genoa her discussions between the soul the body and self-love are unmeaning and confused and when in her dialogues she treats of the operations of the interior life she is greatly below st teresa and st angela on the other hand her treatise on purgatory is clear it declares that she alone has penetrated into the spaces of unknown sorrows and that she has disentangled and taken hold of the joys she has in fact succeeded in reconciling two contraries which seemed eternally repugnant the suffering of the soul in its purification from sin and the joy of the same soul which at the very moment it is enduring frightful torment experiences immense happiness for little by little it draws near to god and feels his rays attract it more and more and his love inundated with such excess that it would seem the saviour desires naught but only it st catherine sets forth also that jesus forbids heaven to none that it is the soul herself who deeming herself unworthy to attain it flings herself by her own motion into purgatory there to cleanse herself for she has only one end 
to re-establish herself in her primitive purity only one desire to attain her last end by destroying herself annihilating herself losing herself in god this is a conclusive study murmured durtal but not that which would lead to la trappe we must try again he touched other volumes in the bookcases here for instance is one which obviously i should use he went on and took down the seraphic theology of saint bonaventure for he condenses the means of self-examination of meditation for communion of thoughts on death then in these selections is a treatise on the contempt of the world whose terse phrases are admirable it is the true essence of the holy spirit a jelly of unction firm set we will put that on one side i shall hardly find a better help to remedy the probable weariness of solitude murmured durtal turning over new ranks of volumes he looked at the titles the life of the blessed virgin by monsieur Ollier. he hesitated saying to himself under a style which is like water with scarcely the chill off there are some interesting observations some tasteful comments monsieur Ollier has in a way traversed the mysterious territory of hidden designs and has there discovered the unimaginable truths which the lord is sometimes pleased to reveal to his saints he has made himself the liegeman of our lady and living near her has made himself also the herald of her attributes the legate of her graces his life of mary is certainly the only one which seems really inspired and is possible to read where the abbess of agreda wanders he alone remains vigorous and clear he shows us the virgin existing from all eternity in god conceiving without ceasing to be immaculate like the crystal which receives and reflects the rays of the sun yet loses nothing of its lustre and indeed shines with greater brightness bringing forth without pain but suffering at the death of her son the pangs she would have borne at his birth then he gives us learned dissertations on her whom he calls the treasure-house of all good the mediatrix of love and impetration yes but to converse with her nothing is so good as the officium parvum beatae virginis and that concluded durtal i will put in my bag with my prayer-book we will not disturb monsieur Ollier's volume my stock begins to give out he continued angela of foligno certainly she is a brazier at which one may warm one's soul i will take her with me what more taula's sermons i am tempted to do so for never has any treated better than this monk the most abstruse subjects with a more perfectly lucid mind by aid of familiar images humble analogies he has rendered accessible the highest speculations of mysticism he is homely and deep then he borrows a little from quietism and perhaps it will be no bad thing to absorb down there a few drops of that mixture yet on the whole no i have rather need of nerve tonics as to suso he is a remedy far inferior to saint bonaventure or saint angela i put aside also saint bridget of sweden for in her conversations with heaven she seems aided by a god morose and tired who reveals to her nothing unexpected nothing new there is also saint magdalen of pazzi that voluble carmelite whose work is a series of apostrophes an exclamatory person clever at analogies expert in coincidences a saint infatuated with metaphors and hyperboles she talks directly with god the father and stammers out in ecstasy explanations of the mysteries revealed to her by the ancient of days her books contain one sovereign page on the circumcision another magnificent one entirely made up of antitheses on the holy spirit others very strange on the deification of the human soul on its union with heaven and on the part assigned in this operation to the wounds of the word 
these are inhabited nests the eagle which is the symbol of faith resides in the eyrie of the left foot in the hole of the right foot resides the melancholy sweetness of the turtle doves in the wound of the left hand the dove ensconces herself the symbol of surrender and in the cavity of the right hand reposes the pelican the emblem of love these birds leave their nests and come to seek the soul that they may lead it to the nuptial chamber of the wound which bleeds in the side of christ was it not also that carmelite nun who ravished by the power of grace despised so greatly the certitude acquired by the way of the senses as to say to the lord if i saw thee with mine eyes i should have faith no more because faith ceases where evidence comes in all things considered he said magdalene of pazzi with her dialogues and contemplations opens eloquent horizons but the soul snared in the bird-lime of its sins cannot follow her no this saint cannot reassure me in the cloister ah he went on shaking the dust from a volume in a grey cover ah it is true i have the precious blood of father faber and he began to dream as he turned over its pages where he stood he remembered the impression till now forgotten produced on him when he read it the work of this oratorian was at least strange the pages boiled over ran forth tumultuously carrying with them grandiose visions such as hugo conceived developing historical perspectives such as michelet loved to paint in this volume was seen advancing the solemn procession of the precious blood starting from the confines of humanity from the origin of the ages and it broke the bounds of the worlds overwhelmed the nations submerged history father faber was less a mystic properly so called than a visionary and a poet in spite of the abuse of rhetoric transferred from the pulpit to a book he tore up souls by roots carried them away on the rush of the stream but when one regained footing and sought to remember what had been heard and seen one could recall nothing on reflection one recognized that the theme of the work was very thin too slender to have been executed by so noisy an orchestra and there remained of that reading something distracting and feverish which made you uneasy and made you think that this kind of book had only a very distant relation to the heavenly fullness of the great mystics no not that thought durtal now what have we selected i keep the little collection of reisbrook the life of angela of foligno and saint bonaventure and the best of all for my state of soul he said striking his forehead he went back to his bookcase and seized a little book which lay alone in a corner he sat down and turned it over saying here is the tonic the stimulant in weakness the strychnine for failure of faith the goad which drives you in tears to the feet of christ the dolorous passion of sister emmerich she was no chemist of the spiritual being like saint teresa she had nothing to do with our interior life in her book she forgot herself and left us on one side for she saw only jesus crucified and wished only to show the stages of his agony and to leave marked on her pages as on the veil of veronica the imprint of the holy face though she was of our time for catherine emmerich died in eighteen twenty four this great work dates from the middle ages it is a picture which seems to belong to the early schools of franconia and swabia this woman was the sister of the zeitbloms and the grunewalds she had their clear visions their vivid colouring their wild scent but she seemed to bring back also by her care for exact detail by her precise indication of places the old flemish masters roger van der weyden and boots she united in herself two currents springing one from germany the other from flanders and this painting brushed in with blood and varnished with tears was transposed by her into a prose style which has no relation to any known literature 
of which we can only find by analogy the ancestry in the panels of the fifteenth century moreover she was quite illiterate had never read a book nor seen a painting she told quite plainly what she saw in her ecstasies the pictures of the passion unfolded themselves before her while she was bedridden crushed by suffering bleeding from the wounds of her stigmata she mourned and wept brought to nothingness by love and pity before the torments of christ according to her words which a scribe took down calvary rose and the whole rascaldom of the soldiers rushed at the saviour and spat on him frightful episodes took place where jesus chained to a pillar twisting like a worm under the lashes of the scourges then falling looking with his failing eyes at the fallen women who held him by the hand and turned away in disgust from his lacerated body from his face covered with threads of blood as with a red net then slowly patiently only stopping to sob and cry for mercy she described the soldiers tearing away the stuff which had stuck to the wounds the virgin weeping her face livid and her lips blue she related the agony of his bearing his cross how he fell on his knees grew weaker and more worn when death came it was a frightful spectacle told in its every particular forming a sublime and frightful whole the redeemer was extended on a cross laid on the ground one of the executioners placed a knee against his side while another spread his fingers abroad and a third hammered in a flat-headed nail as broad as a crown and so long that the point came out behind the wood and when the right hand was riveted the torturers saw that the left would not reach to the place they intended to pierce therefore they attached a rope to the arm pulled it with all their force dislocated the shoulder and the cries of the saviour were heard above the blows of the hammer his breast was seen heaving while his body was anguished and furrowed by terrible shuddering the same scene was repeated to fix his feet they also did not reach the place which the executioners had marked the body had to be tied and the arms bound so as not to tear the hands from the wood and then it was necessary to hang on the legs so as to lengthen them as far as the bracket on which they were to rest all at once the entire body yielded the ribs moved under the skin the shock was so fearful that the executioners believed that the bones would start and burst the flesh wherefore they made haste to rest the left foot on the right but their difficulties began again the feet turned over and it was necessary to bore them with an auger to fasten them this continued till jesus died when sister emmerich fainted from terror her stigmata bled afresh and her wounded head rained blood in this book the whole pack of jewish hounds was seen in full cry the imprecations and shouts of the crowd were heard the virgin was shown trembling with fever the magdalen beyond herself was terrible by her cries and towering above this lamentable group christ appeared pale and swollen his legs entangled in his robe when he mounted to golgotha clenching his broken nails on the cross as it slipped from his grasp this extraordinary visionary catherine emmerich also described the surroundings of these scenes the landscapes of judea which she had never visited but have since been recognized as exact without knowing it without willing it this illiterate woman became an unique and powerful artist wonderful visionary wonderful painter cried durtal and also wonderful saint he added running over the life of this nun placed as a preface to the book she was born in seventeen seventy four in the diocese of munster the child of poor peasants from her infancy she had conversations with the virgin and possessed the gift which also was given to saint sibylline of pavia ida of louvain and more recently to louise lateau of discerning when she looked at or touched them objects which had been blessed from those which had not she entered as a novice the augustinian convent at Dulmen, 
made her profession when she was twenty-nine her health failed and incessant pain tortured her which she increased for like blessed lidwine she obtained from heaven permission to suffer for others and succour the sick by taking their maladies in eighteen eleven under the government of jerome bonaparte king of westphalia the convent was suppressed and the nuns dispersed infirm and penniless she was carried to a room in an inn where she had to bear every sort of curiosity and insult christ added to her martyrdom in giving her the stigmata for which she asked she could neither rise nor walk nor sit could take no food but the juice of a cherry but she was transported by long ecstasies in these she visited palestine following the saviour step by step dictated with groans this fond book then said with her death rattle let me die in shame with jesus on the cross and died overwhelmed with joy thanking heaven for the life of suffering she had endured ah yes i will take the dolorous passion cried durtal to himself take the gospels also said the abbe who came in meanwhile they are the heavenly files from which you will draw the oil you need to dress your wounds it will be equally useful and truly in accordance with the atmosphere of la trappe to be able to read in the abbey itself the works of saint bernard but they consist of unmanageable folios and the abridgments and extracts in volumes of a more convenient form are so ill-chosen that i have never had the courage to buy them they have saint bernard at la trappe and will lend you the volumes if you ask them but where are you from the spiritual point of view how are you getting on i am melancholy badly prepared and resigned i cannot tell if weariness has come from my turning always on the same round like a circus horse but at this moment i am not suffering i am persuaded that this change of place is necessary and that it would be useless to hesitate all the same he said after a silence it is very odd that i am going to imprison myself in a monastery and in truth in spite of myself that astonishes me i will admit said the abbe laughing that when i first met you at tocans i never thought i was pointed out to direct you to a monastery ah, you see i must evidently belong to that category of people whom i may call mere bridges involuntary brokers of souls who are imposed on you for a certain end which you do not suspect and of which even themselves are ignorant rather if any one were a mere bridge in this matter answered durtal it was tocan for it was he who brought us together and we kick him away as soon as he has finished his unconscious task it was evidently designed that we should know each other that is true said the abbe with a smile now i do not suppose i shall see you again before you start for i go to-morrow to macon where i shall stay five days time to see my nephews and to sign some law papers at any rate keep up your courage and do not forget to send me news of yourself write to me without much delay that i may find your letter when i return to paris and as durtal thanked him for his constant kindness he took his hand and held it in his own say nothing about that he said you have only to thank him whose fatherly impatience has broken the obstinate slumber of your faith you owe thanks to god only thank him in getting rid of your nature as soon as possible and leaving the house of your conscience empty for him the more you die to yourself the better will he live in you prayer is the most powerful ascetic means by which you can renounce yourself empty yourself and render yourself humble in this matter pray therefore without ceasing at la trappe implore our lady especially for like myrrh which consumes the proud flesh of wounds she heals the ulcers of the soul i on my side will pray for you as best i can you can thus in your weakness lean so as not to fall on that firm and protecting pillar of prayer of which saint teresa speaks once again a safe journey to you we shall meet soon again my son good-bye
durtal remained much disturbed it is most tiresome he thought that this priest is leaving paris before me for indeed if i have need of spiritual help or counsel to whom shall i go it is clearly written that i must end as i have begun alone but but solitude under these conditions is alarming i am no spoilt child whatever the abbe may say next morning durtal awoke ill furious neuralgia bored his temples like a gimlet he tried to stop it with antipyrine but this medicine in large dose put his stomach out of order without abating the strokes of the machine which penetrated his skull he wandered about his rooms changing from one seat to another coiling himself up in an armchair getting up to lie down again jumping from his bed in fits of sickness upsetting his furniture from time to time he could assign no precise cause for this attack he had slept his fill and had not exceeded in any way the night before he thought with his head in his hands there are still two days counting to-day before i leave paris and very fit i am for it i shall not be in a state to travel by train and if i travel the food at la trappe will finish me he had a minute's comfort from the idea that through no fault of his own he might perhaps avoid his painful duty and remain at home but the reaction was immediate he understood that if he did not go he was lost the vacillation of his soul had become chronic the crisis of disgust of self the acute regret of an effort consented to with pain and suddenly missed the certainty that it would only be postponed for a time that he would have to pass again through alternations of revolt and terror and begin again to fight with himself for conviction admitting that i am not in a state to travel i have always the resource of making my confession to the abbe when he returns and of communicating in paris he thought but he shook his head saying to himself once more that he felt and knew that was not his duty but then he said to god since thou dost implant this idea in me so violently that i cannot even discuss it in spite of its entire common sense for after all it is not necessary to immure myself in a trappist monastery in order to reconcile myself to thee then let me go and he spoke to god quietly my soul is an evil place sordid and infamous till now it has loved only perverse ways it has exacted from my wretched body the tithe of illicit pleasures and unholy joys it is worth little it is worth nothing and yet down there near thee if thou wilt succour me i think that i shall subdue it but if my body be sick i cannot force it to obey me this is worse than all i am disarmed if thou do not come to my aid take count of this o lord i know by experience that when i am ill-fed i have neuralgia humanly logically speaking i am certain to be horribly ill at notre dame de l'atre nevertheless if i can get about at all the day after to-morrow i will go all the same in default of love this is the sole proof i can give that i truly desire thee that truly i hope and believe in thee but then o lord aid me he added sadly ah indeed i am no lidwine or catherine emmerich who when thou didst strike them cried out more more thou dost scarce touch me and i protest but what wouldst thou thou dost know better than i physical suffering breaks me down drives me to despair he went to sleep at last to kill the day in bed slumbering to wake again suddenly from frightful nightmares the next day his head seemed empty and his heart feeble but his neuralgia was less violent he rose saying to himself that he must eat though he was not hungry for fear his pain should return he went out and wandered in the luxembourg 
saying to himself that he must arrange his time that after breakfast he would visit saint severin then he would go home and pack and afterwards finish the day at notre dame des victoires the walk did him good his head was lighter and his heart free he went into a restaurant where because of the early hour nothing was ready he spent the time before a newspaper on a bench how often he had held papers thus without reading them how many evenings he had waited in cafes with his nose in an article thinking of other matters at those times especially when he was striving with his vices when florence appeared to him still keeping the clear smile of a little girl on her way to school her eyes cast down her hands in the pockets of her apron suddenly the child changed into a ghoul who whirled round him wildly and made him silently understand the horror of his desires all that was now far distant almost in one day the charm was broken without any real strife or true effort without inward struggles he had abstained from seeing her and now when she roused his memory again she was no more in fact than a recollection odious and sweet after all thought durtal as he cut up his beefsteak i wonder what she thinks of me she must certainly suppose me dead or lost happily i have never met her and she does not know my address well he went on there is no use in stirring the mud it will be time to cleanse it when i am at la trappe and he shuddered for the idea of the confessor again took root in him and he was obliged to tell himself for the twentieth time that the expected never happens and to declare that he should find some good fellow of a monk who would listen to him then he was afraid again putting things at their worst and fancying himself turned out like a mangy dog he finished his breakfast and went to saint severin there the crisis declared itself the overcharged soul gave way struck down by a congestion of sadness he lay on a chair in such a state of depression that he could think no more he remained inert without the power of suffering till little by little the soul recovered from its torpor came to itself in a flood of tears these tears gave him solace he wept over his lot thought himself so unhappy so worthy of pity that he hoped still more for help yet he dare not address himself to christ whom he thought less accessible but he spoke in low tones to the virgin murmuring that prayer in which saint bernard reminds the mother of christ that never in human memory was it heard that she abandoned any of those who sought her aid he left saint severin consoled and more resolved and when once at home was taken up with preparations for departure afraid that he would find nothing he wanted down there he determined to stuff his portmanteau full he crammed into the corners sugar packets of chocolate that he might try to deceive if needful the anguish of a fasting stomach took towels thinking there would be few at la trappe prepared a stock of tobacco and matches and besides books paper pencils ink packets of antipyrine a phial of laudanum which he wrapped in handkerchiefs and wedged into his slippers when he had strapped his portmanteau he said to himself looking at the clock tomorrow at this time i shall be jolting in a cab and my seclusion will be near at hand never mind i shall do well in anticipation of bodily ailment to ask for the confessor as soon as i get there and suppose that turns out badly i shall have time to make arrangements and take the train back at once all the same this will not prevent my having a wretched moment this evening when i enter notre dame des victoires but his anxieties and emotions vanished when the hour of benediction came he was seized by the giddy infection of the church and he rapt steeped and lost himself in the prayer which arose from all those souls in the chant which went up from every mouth 
and when the monstrance was brought forward to make its sign in the air he felt a vast peace descend upon him at evening as he undressed he sighed to-morrow i shall lie down in a cell amazing when i think of it i should have considered any one mad who a few years ago had prophesied that i should take refuge in a trappist monastery yet now i am going there of my own accord and yet no i am going driven by an unknown power i am going as a whipped cur after all what a symptom of the time it is society must indeed be unclean if god has no longer the right to be hard and is reduced to pick up what he finds and to content himself with gathering to himself people like me end of part one chapter ten